This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your avenging host, Javi. And uh, we're back. Uh, dun, it's been a dun. couple weeks since we've done an episode, so it's definitely, it's it's weird. I feel like I was on vacation. It was nice to be on a break. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> In the words of King Baratheon, bow you shits, we're back. And uh, okay, so we were kind of stuck, like not knowing what to review coming back from, you know, a one week break after all the horror movies and Halloween themed movies that we did. And uh, it took us a while to figure out where we wanted to go next. And uh, we ended up landing on, given that we're only doing three new episodes this month, that we should probably just turn this into a Marvel month <laughs> by doing uh, the, this week's movie, which is Avengers Infinity War. Uh, followed by Eternals next week, and then a third Marvel movie to end off the month before Thanksgiving. You know what? We should put that one to a vote because you got Shang Chi, um, which is going to be out on Disney Plus, and then you got Black Widow. Um, yeah, we should probably let listeners decide what Marvel movie they want us to review that we haven't reviewed yet. You know? Okay, so this weekend we'll 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 put up a poll uh, yeah. for so that people can select the last movie that we're going to review for the month. Um, okay, so we came um, among the things that we talked about. I think in the last few episodes, I've kind of made references back to Infinity War and how I basically took a giant dookie on that movie, like in like other reviews that we've done all throughout year one of this show. In all movies, except for the actual Infinity War movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the only movie that we reviewed that was an Avengers movie before this was Avengers Endgame, uh, which, you know, I think it was like a week or two after it came out in theaters. Uh, I think any yep. of the other, I know we haven't done Age of Ultron, but do we ever do the Joss Whedon one? We the haven't, no. Ooh. Damn. We really I don't know if I want to. I, I don't want to open up the cam, can of worms where we do like a bunch of these. No, just, too late. <laughs> if we do three of them, now we have to do all 32. I will say this. I think maybe one of the reasons why I'm going to be a lot more different, you know, where my attitude's going to be a lot different to this compared to when I first saw it in 2018. Kind of the same deal of all the other movies that we've been talking about being able to watch it, stream it, watching it at home instead of like having to force myself to go into a movie theater. And, you know, I feel like now we're kind of cooling off a little bit with like the just oversaturation of uh, of like superhero Marvel. movies that are coming out. Yeah. And just Marvel in general, like we are getting Marvel product and a lot of it is coming out on Disney plus, which is cool. It's good. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll give you an idea. I'm not very, you know, I'm not keeping up with all the stuff. I haven't watched What If. The only one of these series that I've watched was WandaVision, 
I think I watched like the first couple of episodes of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I just haven't, right? Like I haven't kept up with these properties that much, but they're all coming out on television now. And I feel like it's a much more easily digestible medium. You haven't even watched Loki yet, have you? Uh, Loki, I watched, I think I did watch Loki. Uh, You actually finished it though? Gosh, I can't remember. You fucking liar. You would know if you did. All right, well. Everyone, look at him. Everyone call him a liar that lies (laughs) on this, you know, audio podcast medium. But I think you're right. I think it does help, like, now that Marvel's cooled down, because the thing about Infinity War, it was capping off an essentially, what, I think it was phase three of Marvel or some shit? I don't know. I'm I'm not a huge, like... I used to know this stuff off the top of my head. Now I got to like look it up now. But mm-hmm. the thing about Infinity War is it came off to cap off like this new introduction of the next generation of heroes and like your next like tentpole series that's going to take over after uh, the end of the Infinity Stone saga. So it's like during this time, they were churning out movies. You had like boom, Doctor Strange, boom, Black Panther, boom, Spider Man, like like they were just like banging these out all the time and then you have like guardians of the galaxy 2 like (laughs) it felt like every three months there was another marvel movie coming out and you're just like jesus christ i can't keep up with all this shit the interesting the, the interesting exercise coming back to all of this is just trying to figure out where in like the timeline everything was it's like i had while i was watching the movie i figured out oh yeah we already had guardians one and two by this time Oh yeah, that's right. We had Spider-Man Homecoming by this time. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, we had already no. gotten through Winter Soldier, which uh, you know, maybe to this day is still hands down the original Iron Man and Winter Soldier are like the two best like, you know, Marvel I I think it's the two best Marvel films that they've put out. Um so yeah, it's like it, it, it's it's figure out where we were. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok. This was I yeah, didn't Thor realize Ragnarok. this was poor. This was post Ragnarok until it started. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. What's really funny about this? This lit this movie literally happens within like two days of Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> so he has guardians get fucked every which way possible. <laughs> like when you really put it within context of that. So it's wild. Like they've been churning out so much content. Me personally, I was already experiencing a lot of Marvel fatigue, and I was getting to the point where I'm like, "Fuck, dude, how much? Like, how much fucking more Marvel movies am I going to be able to follow? Like, can I really follow this continuity?" Plus, by this point, the fan base was starting to really get very um, Rick and Morty e is the best way to put it. <laughs> where like, anytime there's two juggernauts in some fucking medium, it's always people got to pick one side or the other and they become equally as fucking insufferable. So I was like, at this point, I'm like, I'm really, I'm, I'm kind of getting sick and tired of superhero movies. Like, I'm cool if they, I'm cool if they take a year off. And that's exactly what happened. They end up doing Infinity War, they take a year off, and finally they give us Endgame. Um, so I think, yeah, let's jump into our personal experiences with this. What was your experience with Infinity War? Did you get to watch this one in the movie theater? I did. This was, uh, and this was after my daughter was born. She was still really young. We had to get a sitter to go watch it. And I think we went to go watch it in a group of people. Um, it it was, you know, again, I probably was just not in the mood or in the right mind frame. Like this is maybe four months into me becoming a parent so maybe i wasn't getting enough sleep 
but I did not <laughs> have so good. I, I came into this movie with a negative attitude because my thing was, okay, well, the, the people were hyping it up. I didn't watch it the night it came out. I watched it a couple days later or a week later, one of the two, because by the time I got to it, there was so much overhype over it. And I think the hype was just absolutely driving me nuts. Like it was, it, it felt like one of those things. Plus it's like, the fail the kind of crash and burn of like justice league 2017 like just left a really nasty taste in my mouth mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just kind of like you know to me it was like oh well you know there's justice league they're trying to do like the marvel version of justice league and completely shredded that movie in post-production <laughs> um but it's just you know like I, now that i'm coming back to it and we spent so much time away from it you know, like, I, yeah, my attitude on this has changed exponentially. And I think now that we're post endgame and, you know, again, not not cooled off. I think the, the popularity of these things is at an all time high, no matter what. But I think that, that with, you know, given that, like, you know, we are getting the stuff on Disney Plus now, we're expanding a lot more of the Loki, Wanda, like we're expanding a lot of these stories in like to miniseries and yeah. um you got and, No Way Home coming out this month. You got right. Shang-Chi no Way Home is the big one, too. It's yeah. like, I, I I think one of the complaints that I've had when we've done the Spider-Man, uh, when we did the Far From Home uh, review, was that nothing in this Marvel Spider-Man universe felt as big as, like, the Raimi movies. And this might be the one that comes closest to, to all right, This this the stakes feel higher than any of these other uh, Spider-Man stories, even though like I've enjoyed the Spider-Man series, like way, way more than I would have thought. I mean, do you consider this movie a part of the Spider-Man continuity? Like, or because it's a team up, it's its own thing. Uh, It can be part of it because I think this is between far from home and homecoming, right? Or, you no, know, yes, like, yes, it, you're right. Because the, the Far From Home was the summer after. It was post Endgame. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like uh, the, what where the kind of it moves forward a bit is that, all right, now Peter is like, you know, he spent the entire Homecoming movie, you know, complaining about how he couldn't be an Avenger and, and why does Iron Man treat him like a kid? And this one, he kind of takes matters into his own hands. I, man, I didn't realize how good tom holland was in this movie like i i don't again i like i feel I'm like i'm watching think if you, i'm wondering <laughs> if you even watched the movie the first time no i'm not kidding like i was tom holland i remember all these like scenes i remember all the gags i remember like the lines i don't know why my reaction to it was so different this time <laughs> do you remember yelling at me when we were reviewing like a DC movie and you were like, everyone only gives a shit about the, uh, I don't want to go Mr. Stark because that was ad-libbed and it was really well done, but it was stupid. Blah blah. blah. It is dumb. It is stupid, but it's just, it's good. Like, you know, it's, it's good ad-libbing. And um, it was just it, funny because it's like the more we, the more we go into this movie, I think this is gonna be the movie that you like like you know how we usually turn on movies like the mm-hmm. way i did with godzilla versus king kong i have a feeling you're gonna be like 
no, this is actually really good. But the <laughs> no, the funny part of this is your is I think our offline discussion was, oh, well, we need to pick a movie that we're not going to be so positive on because we were so positive with all the Halloween movies that we did for the Halloween season. And then it's like, yeah, it's like, all right, well, why don't I rewatch Infinity War? I'll see what my thoughts on it now. <laughs> They're more positive than they were when I first watched them. So, you see, all right. that's why I wanted to do Dune because I think Dune is for nerdy virgins. <laughs> yeah, come at me, Dune fucking fan base. I will love to get to Dune, but I really want us to get to Dune when we can do both the Dune movies. I want to compare oh. the David Lynch movie to the new Dune movie. Oh my god, I already want to rip my eyes out. <laughs> All right, so the plot of this movie, it starts off, as you said, you know, shortly after Ragnarok, uh, we are r- really introduced to Thanos for the first time as like the villain of the movie. And we saw him in post-credit se- uh, scenes leading up to this, and each one of them, like he looked more cartoonish by the time we get to this movie he finally looks straight up like james brolin now <laughs> um <laughs> but you know just james just james brolin in an armor piece <laughs> yeah uh but you know it starts with uh, the it starts with thanos like taking i think it's the power stone from uh from from the Asgardians, or which stone is it that he takes from the Asgardians? He breaks open. It's the Tesseract, the, the one Tesseract. in the cube, and that's the Space Stone. Okay, so which makes sense because you know it's in space. All right, so it starts off, you know, in this like ship, or in it's a ship, right? Like the when they left Ragnarok, like all the yeah, Asgardians yeah. escape in a ship. Yeah, so and... I'll fill in that that part real quick. So mm-hmm. we should do Thor Ragnarok because it's one of my favorite Marvel movies, like easily top three. But it's also just really fun. Thank you, Taika Waititi. But yeah, so right after Ragnarok, uh, essentially Hulk, Loki, Valkyrie, and Thor managed to save all the Guardians and get them onto uh, this giant ship that um, that Loki managed to steal from the, I believe it was, not the Collector, uh, the King of Sakaar. And uh, they just triggered Ragnarok, so Hela was going to fight uh, I think Surtur for pretty much the rest of the like entirety of existence. <laughs> so it was essentially going to be that Valhalla, or not Valhalla, sorry. It was going to be that Asgard was going to completely just cave in under this giant battle. So they were flying through space and they um, immediately get um, get boarded by Thanos. Like they run into Thanos' ship. If I remember correctly, that's like the 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 post-credit scene of Ragnarok is that you see Thanos' ship in the distance closing in on them. And this is literally the after, or what's it called? The, the, the effects after, or not after effects, sorry. Um, pretty much the uh, events right after. So they get boarded by the children of Thanos, who include Ebony Ball, Ebony Maul, Cold Obsidian, Proxima Midnight, and Corvus Glaive. The most like metal band sounding <laughs> names ever. And apparently these are all like canon characters too. I think Ebony Maul is the one that gets called Squidward. Proxima Midnight is the one female. Cole is the one that's totally not the Hulk. And Corvus Glaive is the weird one with the uh, with the hood that looks like uh, the Grim Reaper. And so when they get, they board the ship and apparently, we don't see it, but all the Asgardians are, are getting slaughtered. Um, up until this point, uh, you're not as a viewer as you don't know whether all the Asgardians were were killed in this battle. Um, I think 
later on, one of the one of the uh, Russo brothers confirmed that some of them got away, and that's why we see him return in the Endgame. But um, yeah, we see Thor, uh, Thor, Loki, Hulk, and Heimdall are trying to hold him off. Heimdall gets beaten. Uh, Hulk and tries to attack uh, Thanos and immediately gets uh, beaten up to the point where, as we see later on in the film, he becomes afraid of Thanos. And Loki, uh, we get to see like more of his character development because you know the entire series or the entirety of the Marvel series or Marvel team ups, we see that he's usually the villain, and by the end of Ragnarok, he's kind of embraced being Thor's brother. After Thor uh, gets tortured by Thanos, uh, Loki reveals the Tesseract, gives it to Thanos, and he tries to he tries to stab him, uh, which Thanos is able to stop using the, the space stone, and he ends up snapping Loki's neck, um, killing him before you know the movie can really take off. Uh, Heimdall opens the Bifrost Bridge and shoots uh, Hulk through space and time back to Earth. And he ends up getting uh, stabbed for his troubles by Corvus Glaive. And as Thor lays there, bro- uh, you know, beaten, battered, and defeated, Thanos ends up exploding the ship and essentially leaving Thor and the Asgardians for dead. So right off the bat, this scene is already setting huge stakes. <laughs> you eliminate one of the strongest Avengers. You eliminate one of the strongest, like, uh, I guess, groups in, uh, in the Asgardians in the Marvel Universe. So it really sets the tone like, holy shit, you just see the Hulk, you see Thor, and you see Loki all get bodied within like the first 15 minutes of the movie. And then as Hulk crash lands down into New York, uh, he crash lands into uh, Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum, uh, where he tells uh, Doctor Strange and Wong about uh, the oncoming like assault by Thanos. So from there, they they go on. They recruit Tony, um, and essentially, like this, this takes place at breakneck speed. I do like the fact that this movie doesn't play around with trying to recruit these guys. I'm really impressed, and coming back to this, I'm even more impressed at how well this movie is able to segment the different like groups. You know, it really is a smart way to do. Because I think one of the just, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to put you on blast for this. But I think one of the things you talked about was the length of this movie. And I think you questioned at one point through our text message if like it would have benefited from like a longer runtime, like something like Endgame or the re-release of Justice League had. And I would probably argue I wouldn't want this to be any longer. (laughs) Oh, no, I I don't want I don't think I, I think I might have like explained it badly. Like I didn't want this movie to be longer. I just wanted chapter breaks. Like, if they can do chapter breaks where they can just be like like they did in um, in Justice League, Zack Snyder or Justice League, where they just, like, give you a break so you can pause the movie and go take a piss or something. <laughs> yeah, except I, the funny thing is I haven't watched, I haven't rewatched Zack Snyder's Justice League since we did it, and I probably don't know if I'd be able to handle a four-hour movie again. I, I'm going to argue that I thought this movie went by at a really quick pace despite its length. And I think because it breaks, it, instead of chapters, it almost breaks them up into episodes. Like, I felt like I was, given that all, a lot of these characters are now, like, on Disney Plus and streaming, and I was streaming this on Disney Plus, 
and I was able to take breaks uh, between like, you know, starting it and finishing it. Like it really did feel like I was watching like four good segments of a, of a show. So the first one was, uh, you know, as you said, it, it's, it's Dr. Strange and Tony Stark and, you know, that group. And then Peter Parker ends up joining them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also like the group of, you know, Vision and Wanda, which, you know, it's just like now that I've watched WandaVision, I have such a like deeper, like understanding of their relationship. So it actually, it, it matters more now to me than it did before. And I remember being I don't want to and obviously I don't want to jump around too much in this movie but I remember Vision's death like being something that I walked away largely unaffected by Mm -hmm. (laughs) and now because I did watch that fantastic series that they did um, I have a much like it just it feels a lot deeper to me than it did before oh no it's really interesting to go back and watch Age of Ultron or go back and watch any segment with um with Wanda and Vision after watching WandaVision because it just like just the implication of their relationships and kind of like their interactions throughout and then like also just kind of seeing Vision's character development from Age of Ultron to the end of uh what's it called the um, of Infinity War it's like dude he really is kind of like the most human character of all he is literally because you know vision was created using bruce banner um he was created using uh tony stark bruce banner and i forgot uh who else is like uh brainwaves uh when he was supposed to be ultron's body but he literally is like if, if you know if if uh super i was about to say superman <laughs> captain america is like the failed boy scout vision is like what he was supposed to be that's why he was able to pick up the hammer so easily in age of ultron you know like um <laughs> uh, i don't know i really like the character and i think um a lot of that was impacted by the wandavision so go out and watch wandavision but you know not while you guys are listening <laughs> to this <laughs> But, but all right, it, we get we get Hulk joining them as well, and it's good to have Hulk there. Well, Bruce Banner because Bruce Hulk's Banner's back. there, to, yeah. Because you you got you know you remember he missed Avengers two point five because he wasn't there for um, Civil War, and no, he was he was he was in space with Thor. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it's like so it's like he you know after Age of Ultron he flies off into space, so it's good to see him back. Plus, you know. Um, yeah, just I, I think it was really good the way they split up the stories into like right now we're gonna focus on our magic heroes and then we're gonna focus on our space heroes, then we're gonna focus on our outlaw heroes, which is like Captain America, yep. uh Falcon, um Yeah, who, uh, no, it, it's it's Black it's, Widow. it's awesome pacing. And um it's funny because I think the guys who directed this movie, the Russo brothers, who eventually become like the guys who do the rest of this Marvel series, um, they like they're actually i didn't realize that they had done so much uh so much work on community the series and it's kind of like what yeah that's what they're from yeah that's that's essentially where they got famous from and it's one of the reasons why endgame has like uh has a cameo from goodness what's her name Uh, i can't remember but one of the characters from one of the actors from community has a cameo in uh, endgame and karen jillian not Jill, no, not Karen. No, 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 Jillian no. Anderson. No, not her. Allison no. Brie. Nope. All right. Well, <laughs> the <vet> Nicole Brown. 
Yeah, there we go. Yvette Nicole Brown was in it. That's right. She was in it for like just a moment. Like now she, I need to rewatch game. It's a cameo appearance at best, but yeah, but true. you know what I like about that series too is that like it it revolves around a group of people and the banter is really good and the banter is better than I remember it being. It's I don't like Iron Man a lot and I feel like a lot of it is super corny and I feel like they're kind of jesusfication of iron man in the marvel universe is, is something that i'm just not that impressed by but i am actually going to push back on that and i think he is probably one of the coolest story arcs in the entire like story, I, like commute or in the entire marvel continuity no i'm not gonna argue that I, I think i think they did they did right by both iron man and robert downey because he was the guy who essentially kicked off this universe Mm-hmm. um it, so yes it makes sense that he because that he is like the star of it i'm just saying that the lines and the quips and everything is just a little bit eh, a little... you know what my favorite part about that is though the lines and the quips is i've always complained about how marvel is at least under the joss joss whedon's time there every character had to be the the snarky sarcastic one that gets the quick one-liner mm-hmm. and it feels like all the big dicks in this car- in this movie <laughs> all try to out-douche each other and they all get on each other's nerves. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense because in real life, that's exactly what it would be like to be in a room with these insufferable assholes. Yeah, I, think, I-, I-, I think the character that, that quits that actually is the funniest like, is Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and, and it's one of those things where like, yes, I know that that's part of his like, characterization in the comic books um and that he you know they try to do it with him in movies but when he's not like just talking to himself and he has other people to play on it's really good (laughs) and i think just like you know besides the age jokes of you know that really old movie aliens or like when they talk about like footloose which is funny Mm -hmm. because like footloose and aliens like robert daddy jr was like a young kid making movies (laughs) when Mm -hmm. when that time of movies then, took place so and then the best part is you got a uh, star lord a man out of time who to him that is like yeah very recent <laughs> star lord <laughs> is the character who was aged the poorest out of every character in this movie for me star lord did nothing wrong everything he did was a character leave him alone <laughs> <laughs> it anyway. doesn't make me have to like him and it and it definitely will not anyway so let's get back to it so ebony maw and uh obsidian end up coming down to uh, new york and they start essentially wrecking shit trying to get the time stone from uh dr strange um the pretty much the 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 incoming of a alien ship sets off uh peter parker's spider sense to like a crazy degree so being so far away from danger it's still like registered what was going on and my favorite part of this movie is there's a a friend of mine always talks about how great ned is and this is one of those scenes that shows it because like peter's like hey i need you to cause a distraction and ned just looks out the window goes oh my god we're all gonna die (laughs) and then he's like oh shit good job and that's when Peter's able to like fly away. He puts on his costume and he flies over to save uh, Iron Man. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like it, it's it's you don't get happy in this. You don't get uh you know uh, MJ for Spider Man. You only get Pepper for like a minute, and it's just mm-hmm. like it, it's kind it, it's cool. It just reminds you that this is a big world that you're living in. 
but at the and, same time it's like all right well i'm on my way to space i'll see you later in that all these people have relationships outside of just being superheroes which i think is really important to remember <laughs> so you know spider-man manages to fly in uh come in and they manage to save um they manage to save uh dr strange from being kidnapped at first but after you know uh, iron man is able to reveal the really cool new nano suit uh, however, Ebony Maw kind of gets the gets the drop on all of them and ends up beaming uh, Doctor Strange up into his ship. And I believe Wong ends up opening a portal that sends uh, Obsidian into the snow or into like Antarctica. And as he's trying to jump through, Wong ends up cutting his hand off using the uh, portal itself. By the way, Wong, one of my favorite side characters in all of MCU. <laughs> If you ever watch um, Shang-Chi, like, you'll see why. But, um, yeah, so after that, uh, Wong decides to stay and defend the Sanctum Centaurum since the uh, Sorcerer Supreme was kidnapped. Um, Iron Man and Spider-Man end up following the ship. Uh, Tony ends up giving Peter the new uh, Iron Spider suit, which we get to see in this movie. I think we got to see it in the end of like Homecoming or one of those movies. So this time we actually get to see it in use. Uh, Spider Man's able to like sneak aboard while Iron, uh, well, uh, separately, Iron Man and Spider Man are able to sneak aboard. Meanwhile, uh, Bruce is not able to uh, summon the Hulk anymore. So he ends up calling uh, Steve Rogers for help. So, you know, we're done. You know, we got some heroes going to space. We have. Some heroes um, staying in their home bases, trying to keep things safe. Um, and then this shifts over to the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So, uh, you know, we get reintroduced to all the characters as they're like flying through space singing. And they end up answering a distress call, which is revealed to be the Asgardian ship. They are able to, uh, co- you know, collect Thor from space. Right off the bat, Star-Lord and Thor have this antagonistic relationship because Peter Quill's just super jealous, especially um, uh, there's that part. It's the where... only it's the only Star-Lord stuff that I like in this movie. <laughs> oh, when he gets bullied? With Thor. Yeah. When my favorite part is they all start like fat shaming him. And Drax is like, you're one sandwich away from being fat. Drax is also fantastic in this everyone's so mean to him it was hilarious so they end up uh, you know or I think the other part is Drax is like oh man what kind of dude is this and Drax is like this is no dude you're a dude this is a man a strong tall muscular man (laughs) and it's just everyone starts shitting on Peter it was fucking great like I I really like the writing in those scenes Anyway, so at this point, um, Thor uh, wakes up. Uh, he's still missing his eye from when Hela ripped it out in Thor Ragnarok. And he, tell, you know, him and Gamora, like, have a kind of a, uh, a, a very tense moment when he finds out that she's one of Thanos' daughters, to which he responds, hey, we can't always pick family. And just kind of, like, you know, says, nah, don't worry, I'm not trying to fight you. So they agree. Um, Thor tells uh, the Guardians that he needs to go and find a new weapon strong enough to kill Thanos. So he gets uh, Rocket and Groot to go with him. 
Meanwhile, the group of idiots, or I'm sorry, morons is what they call them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because my favorite part being Rocket that's saying we have two groups, uh, two groups of morons. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he goes, <laughs> you guys, he goes, you guys can go to nowhere to fight Thanos. Meanwhile, we go get weapons. And it's yeah, like, then, I, and then when they leave in the escape ship, Thor looks at them and says, Good luck, morons. <laughs> so good. It's what Thor has been good at this entire series. Everyone it's, talks about how like Ryan Reynolds was born to play Deadpool, but I don't think anyone appreciates uh, Chris Hemsworth as Thor nearly as much as we should because that is fucking dream casting and this guy is fucking amazing. Like his comedic <laughs> timing, great. Fine. The guy is attractive, he's muscular and he has great comedic timing. Like fuck off. Dude. Yeah. Absolutely. It's 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 good. It, it's it's like one his one stick. It stores one stick, but it works every single time that you see it. Oh, and it does like you would think it's going to get old, but it doesn't. It just continues to be consistently funny. And I love it. <laughs> so really, the what the plot of this movie is, because I don't really want to get into going through it scene by scene. Otherwise, we'll be here for five days. But the main plot of the movie really is like you're going back and forth between all these characters as they're trying to stop Thanos, which they're all like slowly hearing about Gamora actually knew him. And at the same time, you're also like dealing with the Thanos story of him going through these different, like, you know, areas of, of the universe to capture all the different, uh, all the different infinity stones. And, and so we get the space stone that he got from Asgard we get the uh, what is it the what is the stone he gets it nowhere so the power stone he gets from Xandar so he he leveled Xandar which is the planet from Guardians of the Galaxy one right uh, level Xandar gets the power stone he goes to nowhere where he steals well he wrecks nowhere and then takes the reality stone That's from. Odd. Uh, the collector and it's mm-hmm. here where one we get to see the thanos bubbles which apparently is a thing in the comics it's like a meme where anytime someone tries to shoot him with something he just turns into bubbles <laughs> um but he all this is also where he kidnaps gamora right and it's it's a cool it's a good scene to also just give you a like it shows you what his powers are and all the things that he's capable of doing in this scene Mm-hmm. Like w- with the fact that he's able to the reality stone gives him the power to change reality. And, you know, that they're showing up thinking that they're there to stop him while being shocked that that they're actually not there to stop him. That that's pretty impressive. I'm yeah, going to say already this. Won. Yeah. Here's, here's the one thing where I didn't change my mind. Mm-hmm. Because everybody went out of their way when this movie came out to tell me how how um thanos is the greatest villain that you've ever seen in a movie and no villain is bigger and all nope, this disagree. other stuff <laughs> yeah i hard i'm disagree. with you on this yeah hard disagree i don't even think he's the best avengers villain i still think loki and avengers one is the best he's just the best villain that they've had like just like one-off that, like movie it, villain it infuriates me that ultron is the best avengers villain in the worst Avengers movie. And it's like, it's so annoying that, and that is my hot take. And I will say it right now. Ultron is the best MCU villain. 
best uh, crossover villain, and it sucks that they did him dirty in Age of Ultron. Well, I disagree with you on that bit, so I'm very... You haven't even seen it. Shut up. I've seen that movie. And nope, now you have to rewatch. <laughs> I'm not rewatching that movie because that I'm movie gonna, was bad. And, you. and Ultron was bad, and you should... Ultron was bad. good. Shut up. I'll kill you. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare talk about Ultra like that. <laughs> um, all right. So, you know, you I, again, I'm not going to say he's the best Avengers villain, but I do like that what this movie does, because we've only seen him in glimpses and in short scenes leading up to this. Like this movie really does spend its entire time telling you more about him. You know that Gamora, like he is Gamora's like stepfather or like, you know, like adoptive father. Mm-hmm. And you find out that the reason why I don't because I haven't seen Guardians in a long time, but you find out that, you know, it's because he completely leveled the planet that she lived on. And that might have been something that they went into in the Guardian series. But no, being able don't. to but seeing the flashback here makes it something more uh, interesting it also gives you an idea of the fact that he actually is going to sacrifice something to be able to collect all the stones that he's wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's now, like, yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to, I wanted to mention going back to the whole Thanos being like this powerful villain or this amazing villain. Right. The problem is that, or what, you know, Thanos main motivation in the movie is um, that he uh wants to bring balance to the universe so he believes that because of how finite the universe is you have to kill half of the population in the entirety of entirety of the universe in order for civilization to continue to progress so you know and then there's always that joke of people that were like oh thanos was right yada 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 and it's like you know, right off the bat, you're just like, and I get it, he's the mad titan, so it makes sense. Um, it's like, oh, well, if you were so fucking smart, you why don't you just snap double the resources so you don't have to kill anybody, you know? Like, that's one of the biggest logical flaws in his plan. And I would be, like, it, like I would be okay, like, I don't know, like, I, I would be okay with it if I didn't just like Thanos's um motivation in the comics just way better mm-hmm. and that's just that he's in love with death in the comics he legitimately has a boner for lady death and he wants to the thing is because he can't die he can never see her mm-hmm. so he continues to kill people and cause these massive like death events so that he can continue seeing his one true love oh and i like that yeah it is way better right than it is if they did that, then I would be arguing that he's the best Marvel villain ever. Like, that is awesome. What you just said in, like, one sentence is more than I've, what I've gotten from most Marvel villains in every single one of their movies combined. <laughs> and my favorite thing, and it's actually in the new Guardians of the Galaxy um, video game, so spoilers for that, but, I mean, not really if you're a comic book fan. Like the whole reason Gamora abandons Thanos is because she she bought into the whole wiping out half the universe thing until one night she saw him talking to himself. But in his head, he was talking to death and he was like proclaiming his love for death. And Gamora was like, that's when he realized he does see death, but everything he does is for her. So I can never like 
it made him real or made her realize that she was just a tool a means to an end and she was being used by thanos he will never care about me the same way that he cares about her exactly that's a better that's even a better gamora and thanos story Mm -hmm. and again like i'm not gonna argue that this shit sucks and i hated all of it i'm just saying that like it feels a little empty and what you're explaining to me right now makes me wish this was a different movie (laughs) in that way (laughs) or just those slight changes to the script that would have made them a little bit more compelling characters you don't even like it's just like all i know in this movie is that he has some obsession with having all the power in the universe Mm-hmm. And what I remember of Endgame is the same deal that it starts with him having completed everything and he was satisfied. But like that's not satisfying as a viewer, mm-hmm. you know, like just like as someone who's watching this movie, that's not a good enough like that's not a good enough villain plot. And, no. you know, but the movie does. It, I what I, where I was wrong here was I thought this I, I remember this movie having zero stakes. Mm-hmm. It has stakes. I think the problem that I have with this movie, which is not this movie's fault, I think it was because of the fact that it was broken up into two films, which is what they said they wanted to do with Justice League on the DC side. Originally, that mm-hmm. Justice League was going to be two movies instead of one. And I think I would have had came out of that with that same empty feeling. And I think it's what some people have argued about Halloween Kills, which we just talked about a few weeks. When mm-hmm. you're the middle chapter or like the not last chapter of a of a series that you know you know the next one is going to wrap everything up it just you know a lot of things are going to get reversed next time so you don't feel like there's any stakes attached to it well that's the problem when you announce series so far in advance and it's like i get it you want to generate hype for these movies you want to get the fan base involved and and but the reason why you don't give a shit about what happens at the end of infinity war is because you know endgame's coming Right. But like, but how, like, but, how many people do you think were pissed or had some sort of emotional response to Empire Strikes Back because it wasn't guaranteed that there was going to be a third movie, or they didn't know there was going to be a third movie? Well, you know, I know what it did is that it actually ends up making Return of the Jedi like the biggest like Star Wars movie of all time because people were just clamoring for what was next after that mm-hmm. and that's why actually and you know talking about i guess magic in a certain way i'm talking about street magic not real magic real magic stupid and not real <laughs> no what i mean it's like the whole idea of the prestige right is that you got to have a moment where you got your audience like just not knowing and then you do the reveal of the the prestige at the end and that's kind of what i feel marvel's really shitty at because they're like look at all this fucking content we're gonna give you and it's like oh yes give me more please but it's like we don't because of that we don't get to appreciate those sort of moments where it would have been rad you know yeah Uh, the other thing too is that i think coming back to it the things that have happened after it are actually what's making it a better experience for me which i talked about before having watched the series on disney plus again the other one is you know, we're watching uh, Black Panther in this and Chadwick Boseman died last year and we know he's not coming back for the next one. And yeah. it's like this, this besides that Black Panther movie and Mar- and the Civil War, Captain America Civil War, like this is the only, this and Endgame, which were filmed back to back pretty much. There's a what like, if episode where he actually voices uh, T'Challa and apparently it's a really good send off for the character. I really need to watch that. 
but mm-hmm. it's just like yeah this is the last time we really see him in live action and i think it gives it more more weight and like what i talked about with with wanda and, and vision it gives that more weight the fact that you know that tony stark is going to die in endgame spoiler alert we did that one last year and we're re-releasing it this <laughs> week so there better not be any like anger over this but that makes this matter more and also the fact that i've already seen spider-man you know far from home which deals in post Stone Tony Stark, uh, you know Marvel Universe, and then I'm sure Winter Soldier and 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 Falcon probably deals in that as well. You know, it, it's it's like th- I think that's what makes this matter more this time. And what I didn't understand was how this was going to fit into the overall Marvel Universe. And I will raise my hand and say that that's probably all on me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this time I definitely felt it a lot more than I did the first time I watched it. And you know, hey. People can change their minds. Javi will lie and say that I've changed my mind on Star Wars Last (laughs) Jedi, and I never will. And I will never understand people that have negative things to say about that movie because I actually, to this day, think it's fucking fantastic. And I will Uh, take that to my grave. I was about to get very defensive, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I posted about that on the show page. It was great. It was <laughs> top five prou- or proudest podcasting moments on my part. <laughs> oh my god! So okay, let's get back in the story. So let's kind of let's kind of um, move things along, right? So uh, after uh, after Thanos kidnaps Gamora, we get or uh, we see that Nebula. He also has Nebula, who tried to kill him mm-hmm. after the events of Ghost, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two. After torturing Nebula, um, Gamora ends up giving the location of the final, or not the final stone, the soul stone, yes. to which we find out that in order to gain the soul stone, you must trade a soul for it. So, yeah. And we also um, get the return of Red Skull, which I think we talked about when we mm-hmm. did our uh, review for uh, Avengers Endgame, but it's you know having him come back into this role is really neat it gives you is it hugo weaving i thought he was done with marvel after uh, i don't know i don't know if that's him or not i haven't seen like the first avenger in a very long time but Mm -hmm. what i do like about this is that it does it, it makes it feel like it gives you the stakes in that searching for this soul stone is one of those things that does not come without cost. And this feels to me like the most costly of all the stones to get. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that the entire middle section of this movie kind of revolves around him finally getting this. And the fact that, you know, Red Skull apparently went off into space trying to trying to get it and now just becomes punished. Well, well, that's the thing. He took the Tesseract and then when he tried to abuse the Tesseract, the power of the of the stone ended up shooting him into space and yeah. you don't you, you know it's never seen what happens to him and then this is where it's finally revealed that the space stone itself made him the guardian of the soul stone right so it's like it turned him into just like a turnkey for anybody who's going to come in and get this but you know it's 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 good it does turn it into something where you're like oh yeah getting this has a real consequence mm-hmm and so Thanos, um, after making the realization that he has to trade uh, something he loves, uh, Gamora starts laughing, um, saying that he loves nothing, to which, uh, to which uh, Red Skull uh, reveals that no, he, know, he does know what he has to do. And he ends up dragging Gamora to the ledge and ends up throwing her off this cliff, killing her. 
uh, but gaining the soul stone in exchange. So Gamora is dead. So add her to the in memoriam of the 2018 Infinity War. Um, meanwhile, while that's going on, uh, Groot, uh, Groot, uh, Rocket, and Thor end up going to the dwarf planet where they can uh, find a Thanos killing weapon. That's where they get introduced to Peter Dinklage, who plays uh, Eltry, the uh, Dwarven King. And Eltry reveals that Thanos uh, demanded that they make the Infinity Gauntlet for him to be able to wield all six Infinity Stones. Uh, But he ended up killing all the dwarves and uh, destroying uh, the king's hands anyway. So with the help of uh, Groot, Rocket, and Thor, they're able to forge a new weapon that was meant for uh, the King of Asgard, uh, which is called Stormbreaker. So Beta Ray Bill fans are super nerdy and excited because they get to see the re- they get to see Stormbreaker introduced. Um, so uh, Thor ends up getting his axe after they uh, open up a dying sun to uh, be able to forge it. So he's got his new weapon, and I hate this. I hate this so much. I hate the fact that we went through an entire movie where it was Thor coming into his own and, um, you know, accepting his role as, like, the, the heir apparent to Asgard and becoming the leader of the Asgardians and being, and being comfortable in his, like, his role as the god of thunder only for it to immediately be backpedaled the moment he gets bodied and he the first thing he says is i need a new weapon and i'm just like why that is the biggest problem i have with infinity war Hmm. is that it undoes so much of the character development that you see thor go through um in thor ragnarok where it's like what is the point like my favorite one of my favorite lines in thor ragnarok is when anthony hopkins says or, or, you know, like Thor ta- is talking to Odin, played by Anthony Hopkins, and he says, you know, well, she destroyed my hammer. What am I supposed to do? And he goes, are you the god of hammers or are you the god of thunder? To, and then that's kind of like what finally shakes Thor into, like, becoming the Odin son. And I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to see fucking Super Saiyan Thor fuck shit up. And it's like, no, they... <laughs> <laughs> he, he gets... Don't get me wrong. Stormbreaker's cool, and it's cool to see Thor. Um... And it's cool to see Thor like having a weapon and back to his own. It just felt like so weird. It felt so weird to see him like be beaten, broken, and defeated, and then having to rely back on a weapon, you know. Well, Especially, he's gonna mega fail here because by the time we get to endgame, we're gonna get fat Thor. So it's uh, like <laughs> I love fat Thor. Don't you dare talk shit on my king fat Thor. I'm not. I think it's just like it's cool. I mean, going through this conversation, I think it's neat that you and I both have different hang-ups about this. Mm-hmm. We don't think this movie's perfect. I definitely don't think it's awful like I used to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, the fact that you have a perspective of someone who actually understands the comics a lot more than I do. I think it just it, it gives more depth to the discussion we're having on this. Oh, totally. Now, at this point, uh, Thor gets Stormbreaker. Uh, while they're getting Stormbreaker, uh, our heroes on Earth are preparing since they know they have the Mind Stone on planet side. They're preparing for a siege from Thanos. So uh, Captain America, uh, Black Widow, uh, and Falcon, they end up, you know, they end up 
uh, meeting back up with Bruce Banner and War Machine. And they're able to uh, take Scarlet Witch and uh, Vision to Wakanda to protect them and uh, enlist the help of the Wakandans uh, and Black Panther to essentially repel or try to try to like create a last stand. Uh, their goal is to remove the uh, Mind Stone from Vision's head and then uh, destroy it using, um, I think, using uh, Wanda's powers. So that kind of sets the stage there on Earth. Meanwhile, what's happening uh, is that uh, Thanos invites uh, Tony Stark, Doctor Strange, and uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy essentially to, to Titan, where they're going, where he wants to, where he wants to take the Time Stone. So Tony believes that that is their best chance to beat Thanos because they have to take the fight to him and they got to take chances. Um, so this is all leading up to essentially the last like 40 minutes of the movie, which is all big, dumb superhero fights. And if you wanted to see big, dumb superhero fights, literally the entire like hour and a half before that was just setting it up. <laughs> Actually, it's almost like an hour or like it's like 40 to 50 minutes where it's like literally just them fighting. Um, so that being said, uh, how do you want to handle this? Do you want to talk about Titan first or do you want to talk about Earth? I guess Titan then Earth, huh? Yeah, that's probably the way to go because I yeah. feel like the Titan stuff kicks off first and like the last 50 minutes is like Earth and Titan back to back. <laughs> yeah, so so we'll just go, because it jumps around, we'll just address the battle at Titan and then we'll address, address the battle at Wakanda. So uh, when they get to Titan, uh, the Guardians, uh, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Iron Man come up with a plan to try to try to beat Thanos. Uh, this is where uh, Doctor Strange uses the Time Stone so they can look into other realities and try to figure out different varying timelines where he finds out out of like 14 million something timelines, there's only one where they manage to beat Thanos. Right. So, uh, you know, right, right away setting up the stakes, when Thanos shows up, he shows them what uh, Titan once looked like and more talking about his motivation. And while dr strange distracts him tony drops like a fucking spaceship on him <laughs> and this leads to a giant battle where everyone gets a couple uh a couple hits in on thanos uh but essentially the plan was for them to uh be able to subdue thanos long enough for mantis to use her uh powers to to shut down his brain calm him down so that they can remove the infinity gauntlet so as the the team finally manages manages to do that um you know peter is like peter and tony are right about to rip off the gauntlet and then um and then you see like star lord come in and he starts talking you know starts kind of goading thanos and this is when he says uh well where's gamora to which uh oh man i forgot to talk about when they met on the ship do you want to do you want to talk about your favorite joke in the movie <laughs> I mean, we can, yeah. <laughs> and we'll get to it after. But, um, so Peter and Tony are like ripping off the gauntlet. Pete, and then uh, and then Star Lord, uh, after he starts goading Thanos, this when he finds out through, I believe it was Mantis that Thanos killed Gamora. So losing his shit and 
uh, in a scene that was telegraphed from Gu- Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, we see Peter lose his shit and start punching Thanos, breaking Mantis's concentration. And when and Thanos is able to get the gauntlet back and takes control of the fight, where he um, ends up bodying essentially everybody. He gets in a really cool, uh, he gets in a really cool magic fight with uh, Doctor Strange. I really liked it because anytime you see a magic user in a movie, it's always, I'm going to shoot my big beam of light at you and you're going to shoot your big beam of light at me and we're just going to keep doing that. But it was really cool the way they play uh, or the way they work with Doctor Strange where he legit moves reality around and can transform things. So I thought that was really cool. Like you see some really good visuals, like the scene where he creates like... (laughs) Or Thanos shoots like a bunch of energy at him and he turns into a, like a wave of butterflies. And then he it's turns... exactly what you said. It's like you can do this in lots of different kinds of movies and it just turns into people shooting like rays at each other. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you act, they actually decided to kind of like have, you know, give them the power to change everything around them, you know, which is very like, you know, when Spider-Man Far From Home, when Mysterio has that power and stuff like that, it's like it, seeing Thanos be able to do that. It's a nice trait. It's mm-hmm. a cool like character trait that he's character power that he's going to develop because now every single time that you're in a battle, and this movie does that several times. There's a lot of scenes where it, of it people like stabbing or attacking him. Even in the end of this, it's every single time. It's like oh, we almost got you. And then mm-hmm. it's like the moment that you think you got him, it's like the the these this infinity gauntlet gives him the ability to either fool them or just Uno card reverse them. <laughs> and then fucking plus four <laughs> draw fifty-five. <laughs> it is the ultimate cheat code, and it's great. So he ends up uh beating Doctor Strange, and then he gets his one-on-one fight with Iron Man, which I loved. Because it's the culmination of at least, at that point, six years. And I think um, Iron Man even says it, that he's like, in six years, you've been the only thing I've been able to think about. Because you got to remember, right? So it's like, Iron Man was the first person to know, to confirm that there was an, an uh, not only alien life, but alien life that was actively trying to kill humanity. Like in Avengers 1 he he's the one that goes into space and nukes the chitauri essentially almost genociding an entire alien race (laughs) but he ends up like he's the one that goes into space and realizes how small he is um and then so he learns by the end of iron man one and two that he needs to team up and he needs friends around him but by iron man three that um yeah, yeah, the end of Iron Man 2, that's when he's with uh, Rhodey. Um, and then Iron Man 3, I believe, is the one Iron Man movie after Avengers. So that's kind of where he has PTSD and he's suffering from uh, from pretty much experiencing that like weird existential like dread from from experiencing what Thanos and, and, and these alien race, right? So that turns him into this giant dickhead where he wants to protect the Earth by any means, so he creates Ultron and tries to, you know, cover the world in this like protective sheath, which fails because uh, even though he has good intentions, he's going about it the wrong way. 
And then he tries to do the Sokovia Accords where he wants everyone to fall in line because it's their best shot to stay together and be able to fight Thanos because he knows Thanos is coming. And everything from the Hulkbuster, from trying to create an Iron Man suit that can go into space, like everything he's done, even his relationship with Peter um, in, in Homecoming, like where he tells him that, you know, if something happens to him, that's on me. It's like Tony has taken on the responsibility of trying to like be the savior of the world but the problem is that he's completely shut everyone else out in doing so and that's like the ultimate flaw and that's kind of the the theme of this movie is that um individually all their flaws get in the way of them being heroes or them being able to finish the job whether it's tony stark is egomania whether it's star lord's anger whether it's uh, who else? Whether it's Thor's, um, I want to. I don't want to say bravado. I guess yeah, you can say bravado. You know, uh, whether it's Captain America's, even his pride, because part of the reason why him and the Avengers split up is that him and Tony couldn't even see eye to eye. So it's like you see all these different heroes who are all trying to beat Thanos, but because they're not actually actively working together, they all fail in different places. You know? Yeah, it's it's kind of the perfect, like, the first battle of a war. It's like movies that try to force, like, if they tried to just jam-pack Endgame and Infinity War into one single movie, this would be the middle section of the movie. Mm-hmm. Middle fight that they lose, followed by the battle that they win. Exactly. And it's like to see it happen and play out because, you know, it, the, and I, you know, Tony's giving it his all, but he just can't because he's just one man. And eventually Thanos overpowers him and stabs him with his own sword. Um, and this is the part where I, I experience exactly what you're talking about, where I'm like, yep, this is the part where they lose. This is the part where they get humbled pretty much. Um, to which the Hail Mary here is that uh, Dr. Strange Sells uh, Thanos that if he spares uh, Tony, he'll give him the Time Stone, to which uh, Tony accepts. I'm sorry, not Tony. Sorry, Thanos uh, accepts taking it, and then he teleports himself down to Earth. Um, and when Tony looks over at Doctor Strange, he says, "You know, like why'd you do that?" He says, "This is the only way." And you know, obviously saying this is the only way for the one way that I saw to work to play out. Um, so now everything goes to Earth, right? So down in Earth, our heroes have been working with the Wakandans. The Wakandans have this like uh, power shield set up around the around the main city. And they're preparing for uh, Thanos' children to kind of come in and try to attack them. Uh, after they confront uh, Midnight and Corvus, the, they just start sending wave after wave of these monsters to, like, rip themselves through the shield to finally get through. But um, th- at that point, uh, Black Panther realizes that if they leave the, the, sh- the protective shield up, the monsters will eventually run all the way around and get through behind them, essentially putting them in a two-front war. Uh, to which uh, Black Panther orders the main city to drop the shield in front of them so that way they can keep the enemy on one side. So everyone comes rushing in through the front of the gate, and at this point, our heroes start running at them uh, full speed in a really cool like battlefield fight. <laughs> and I remember I texted you this, 
that I have to say, Mbaku, is, I forgot what tribe he's the leader of in Wakanda, but that man is a menace, and I love him, and I want him to get his own movie or his he own needs, series. He needs a Disney Plus series, if any of the characters in this series do. And, you know, I, I, I honestly, like, I'm only hearing whispers of what they're doing with the second uh, Black Panther movie, but, mm-hmm. man, Umbaku should be a big part in that movie when it finally does get made. <laughs> the fact that Umbaku shows up like you see all these guys you see super powered black panther super power super soldier captain america all these like souped up you you know you see bruce banner in the in the uh hulkbuster suit you see everyone vibranium like shields and stuff but but mbaku literally shows up in just like a chest plate and a big stick for whacking and he's like i got this and that is the most badass man in the entirety of the MCU. And I will not back down from that statement. <laughs> so as the Wakandans are um the Wakandans and the Avengers are fighting off uh the aliens, uh the tide starts torn starts turning in favor of the um of Thanos and his children. And at this point is when a you know a thunder or I'm sorry, uh, lightning strikes the ground and we see uh, <laughs> we see teenage Groot, Rocket, and uh, Thor enter the fray. I freaking love this scene because you see everyone getting overpowered by a bunch of here by a bunch of the villains. And then suddenly Thor comes in and just starts smacking people around. And I was like, yes. <laughs> um, then you get to see teenage Groot being a teenage Groot. And then uh, the, you get the hilarious scene of um, of Rocket saving uh, Winter Soldier, and then Winter Soldier picking him up by the scruff, and they just start shooting a bunch of the aliens together. And then uh, you got Rocket telling him, "Hey, how much for the arm?" Or he goes, "How much for the gun? Not for sale. How much for the arm?" And he just walks away. <laughs> yeah, I'll get that arm. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Rocket Raccoon so much, man. So as they're um, as they're fighting through uh, the who was it? It was it was um, Scarlet Witch ends up being drawn out by uh, Midnight. So she ends up uh, showing up into the battlefield to save him, which you find out was all a trick, uh, so that Corvus Glaive can get a jump on uh, Vision because the entire time Shuri is essentially doing like brain surgery on vision to try to remove the mind stone and as you know as she's working on that uh corvus starts killing a bunch of the uh, wakandan guard and you know as he's about to kill shuri uh vision is able to tackle him and they go flying through the window uh vision's still weakened from his battle and i think Prague was when uh the first time he fought corvus glaive and still, he was hit with the spear that doesn't let him phase. So as he tries to fight off, um, as he tries to fight off Corvus Glaive, uh, Bruce Banner tr- goes to help him. Bruce ends up killing the other big son of Thanos by like shooting him into the shield, and it essentially scrapes him until it blows <laughs> up against the shield. <laughs> um, after uh, Okoye and uh, Okoye and Black Widow fight off uh, Midnight as she's about to kill them, um, Scarlet Witch throws her into like 
a buzzsaw type tank that Thanos' forces have and she gets ripped off or ripped apart. And then you just see Black Widow covered, like, you know, gets like blood splatter on her face. She's like, that's disgusting. <laughs> so like all the all the uh, villains get unceremoniously killed off. Like it happens really quickly. <laughs> yeah. Like I would, uh, it really caught me off guard in, in a way that I was like, oh, cool. That's surprising. So Corvus ends up uh, almost killing Vision. Uh, Captain America comes in for the save and he jumps Corvus. And as they start fighting, uh, Corvus Glaive ends up getting the upper hand. And, you know, Thanos, I mean, uh, Vision, sorry. After Captain America told Vision to leave and that they would protect him, uh, he ends up grabbing the spear, kills Corvus as he stands over Captain America. Um and, uh, and, you know, you get that line from Vision where, where Cap tells him, well, why didn't you leave? And Vision says, we don't trade lives for lives. And I was like, oh, man, why are you so good all the time? If only you knew what happened. Yeah, definitely felt like a callback. Oh, my God. So then um, at this point is when Thanos enters the fray uh, in possession of five of the six Infinity Stones. And here he starts, like, knocking at all the heroes around uh you know the everyone tries to hold off thanos so that um they can give scarlet witch enough time to rip the mind stone out and you know she tearfully manages to do it and destroys it causing a giant explosion um and you know you're thinking okay they did it finally of course the last stone that thanos got was the time stone (laughs) and have as we've seen during dr strange he can turn back time on a whim. Mm-hmm. So he man using the time stone, he able he's able to bring back vision from death. And this time kills him by ripping the mind stone out uh, before it was destroyed by Scarlet Witch and puts it back on the gauntlet. Oh yeah, my I for, I forgot this bit. I for some reason, like I didn't remember like scarlet witch trying to kill vision like you know basically trying to beat him to uh beat thanos to killing him mm-hmm. and destroying the stone so that you know he wouldn't be able to capture it for some reason I, I i remember how he died but i forgot that it was like she kills him and then mm-hmm. thanos like ends up reversing time to kill him again he died twice in this movie <laughs> and it's like fuck man it's it's really like it's it's one of those heartbreaking moments because it's like so many times both both main battles thanos was almost beaten and it's like and they almost had him on titan and they actually almost beat you know like if they would if that plan would have gone through and if thanos didn't have the time stone um they would have beat him on wakanda you know but it's like just the way this entire thing shakes out, you know, now he has all six infinity stones and, you know, as he prepares to wield all the power, you get that cool shot of cap grabbing his hand, trying to keep him from closing the, the gauntlet and almost like being surprised. Like this little man is strong enough to actually stop me. And he kind of like, you know, brushes him off and just sends him flying after that, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, Thor comes in flying with his axe and ends up throwing it, uh, breaking through Thanos' like power beams and like stabbing him in the chest. And when Thor comes in and pushes the axe deeper, uh, Thanos is like gasping for air. And 
Uh, when Thor tries to like get him to talk again, he says, you should have aimed for my head and ends up snapping his fingers. And we get the, the eponymous snap where, where Thanos finally gets his dream of disintegrating half the known universe. Right. So we get some very uh, emotional moments, quote unquote. <laughs> Again, the- I the, the emotion of these moments doesn't really hit the way that yeah. I, there's a lot of stuff that I had different opinions on when I watched this movie, and Vision's death is probably the gravest one. But the rest of this, even as good as that, like Tom Holland like ad lib is, where he doesn't want to go away and he disintegrates while he's like holding on to Tony Stark. Yes, it was good, and I'm sure it made somebody cry in the movie theater. Yeah, it made me cry, asshole. <laughs> it's just a hair too much for me. Um, was, I ex- I'm fine with it because it's it's Tom Holland, and I do I, love him. But the reason why it hit me is because there was this other podcaster that on uh, when the movie first came out that put it perfectly that. 16 year old spider-man's greatest superpowers to remind you that he's a little baby boy <laughs> because he spent all movie fighting aliens and being this big damn hero and punching space tyrants in the face and you're like oh yeah nothing bad can ever happen to him but then it reminds you like when push comes to shove and it's his final moment he's just a kid and he like reverts back to that and i'm just like oh man that's why that part got me um the other part that got me too was Groot and, Rac- and Rocket when uh, when Rocket lets uh, or has to say bye to Groot. That was like, oh man. But I don't know. That's also because I've been playing Guardians of the Galaxy the video game, so <laughs> that probably has something to do with it. But um, yeah, you get you know the you get these scenes of all these people going. Um, the the t'challa leaving scene where it's like i don't know why that one stood out to me like when he says this is no place to die and then he like disappears too um and then like i think i think the reason why that also the peter parker one gets me is because then it's just it's about who gets left behind like yeah people say oh they wanted the the russos wanted the og avengers and that's why the og avengers stayed and i'm like yeah that makes sense i'm not tripping about that mm-hmm. but um but then it's like in context right you had you had tony who finally was you know had his his chance to finally beat the uh the big bad and he failed and now he has to sit there alone well i think he was with nebula but essentially alone in space away from home having lost everything you know or same thing with rocket where i don't know if you remember in guardians of the galaxy 2 uh one of the main story beats for him was that he pushes people away like he put and he doesn't want to make relationships with people so by the end of the movie it's like oh look he finally accepted his family and now he has to say goodbye to them again because they got ripped away from him Mm -hmm. um so that was one of those things like when you want to really dig into it um but yeah at that point the the avengers essentially you know it's the fallout of them getting beaten and the movie ends with thanos in a hut somewhere on a distant planet just kind of admiring his work and the movie cuts to black and that's it the credits roll that is infinity war it's sudden it's a pretty Mm -hmm. sudden ending and i don't remember it feeling so sudden but yeah it's like it's all of a sudden screen turns black and credits and i was like huh all right (laughs) there we are i mean i think you can include it in the post-credit scene where you see the blip happen 
in uh from Nick Fury's point of view. Yes. Where you know people start disappearing, planes start crashing, and he goes into his jacket, pulls out a communicator, and <laughs> he, he pushes a button, and as he blips <laughs> away, you find out that it's the symbol for uh Captain Marvel. Yeah. So doesn't he that. doesn't he actually say MF as he's like as he's getting like yeah yeah <laughs> I think he's like motherfucker <laughs> yeah as he gets blipped away um and I think Captain Marvel was the next movie that was yes I think out. it did come out that year mm-hmm. that was weird they should have done Captain Marvel before but I guess that gives you context yes I don't know but I mean. Honestly, they should also just I mean, I think it's cool if Marvel Studios has a plan, but I think they should also not be afraid to just put movies out and hope for the best <laughs> and then connect it not put hope for the best, but put movies out and connect it to the overarching universe in the movie. I actually think they do a pretty reasonable job of doing that. And like, I think the ways like, that they, they got around the timeline people. around this time was actually pretty clever, so I'm not going to get on that. No, I think they just don't need to tease people. Like, no, I'm just, no... just gonna argue with you now. Okay, fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell me how much you fucking hate Glass Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think with that, let's get into final thoughts. What did you think of this movie, and did you like it? Okay. All right. Yes, yes, I did like this movie. I am reversing my hatred of it. I don't love it. I don't think it's the best thing ever, but I definitely enjoyed it. Whereas the first time I saw it, there was a lot of things I did not like about it. And honestly, like I said, I think it's the stuff that's come out since then. I think it's the fact that I was able to watch this at home. I think it's the fact that I already know what happens around it. Like it just gave it more depth than it had even when I first watched it. I think Thanos is a better villain than I did when I first saw it. But again, the discussions that we've had in here and just what you've told me about him in the comics... Like, I think there's things that could have been done better. So, yes, I don't love this movie. I like it okay. It was cool watching it. I probably won't rewatch it again (laughs) after this. Um, It is a hard rewatch. I didn't think I was going to rewatch it ever again after I watched it the first time. But, you know, then listening to myself shit on it in so many episodes, like, I was like, all right. I was like, if I'm going to be this much of a dick to this movie like i better i better be sure that it's as bad as i remember it being and you know it's actually not as bad as i remember it being and uh it's okay it's good i like it more than i ever did and uh i was impressed with certain parts that i that that like it's just from 2018 this is only like four years ago like three four Mm -hmm. years ago but it feels like a lifetime ago (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so, it's crazy to see how much is going to change in the next phase of these movies in this next like universe now that shang chi and uh the eternals are a thing you know because um, yeah i think re-watching this as well kind of puts me in the right frame of mind to go to watch something like eternals now because mm-hmm. i'm so far removed from avengers that like you know like again endgame came out in 2019 i have not watched endgame since 2019 so mm-hmm. like being like these many years removed it's like yeah it's like it's good that i've at least gotten some sort of refresher course so that i can go watch something like eternals and have like you know have the old feeling back before i see it i know no definitely gets you back in that marvel mindset um yeah i liked it you know i didn't like it i think on, on rewatch 
I mean, I still had the same issues I had when, when I first saw it back in 2018. Um, I think it is hands down the most ambitious crossover. And I think it is, a, it was a very, it, you know, I, I really enjoyed the pacing of the movie. I like the, I like the way they broke everyone up into groups. So that way you can keep track of the story beats as they come, come along. I felt like there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of character moments. There was a lot of good character moments. I felt like that was very, um, what's it called? Uh, that was very well split up. Like I feel that, um, you know, no one character had too much shine over the other. I mean, the person who I think has the most screen time is Thanos. I mean, which makes sense as it should be. That's kind of Infinity War is like his movie, you know? Um, so I thought I thought it was a really good movie. I thought it was a good culmination of a of you know at that point almost ten years worth of um, of storytelling. So and you know it really it, yeah like if you've read the comics if you've read the Infinity um, uh, Infinity I forget ah God I forget what what's originally called the Infinity Gauntlet or if you read the Infinity Saga like yes we know what comes next we know what that the heroes are going to win they're going to find a way to reverse it but there's a small point where you're just like oh yeah they 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 are going to reverse it but it's going to take some sacrifice and there's going to be some lasting changes you know as as we saw when we talked about endgame so it just makes that final scene or I'm, i'm sorry that final battle at the end of endgame even that much better you know Yep. So, uh, yeah, we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show. Um, we're very grateful that you guys are continuing to follow us, uh, you know, and we're glad with all the, you know, with all the downloads that we got during the October season, it was really great for us. It even like helped us land an ad campaign. (laughs) So please continue to interact with us on social media. Please continue to, uh, put in reviews on Apple podcasts with the platform platform of your choice and please just continue to spread the word of the show so that we can continue to provide the content that we're providing so um yeah we like thank you guys for joining us for this uh we'll look forward to coming back next week and talking marvel's eternals um and it'll be the first it'll be the first movie that we do from a theater release probably since uh we did Candyman Candyman. uh earlier in the year so uh definitely excited to get into that and uh we'll talk to you guys next time all right later y'all